0: This is the police canine training podcast with Jeff Meyer. Join us for each episode to get real world advice from canine professionals who have experience on the street. Each episode will focus on up-to-date information that you can use on the street. Spend about 30 minutes with us each week as part of your training day. Our goal at police canine training is to make every canine team be the best they can be. Hello everyone. This is Jeff Meyer with the police canine training podcast glad you joined me again today for another uh, podcast. Today we're going to talk about some of the common mistakes that I've seen people do across the country when I'm traveling when they're teaching building search. And when you first teach your dog how to search in a building, that's where he's going to learn that type of game. And I think it's really important then to set the ground rules for the dog so he understands how to use his nose Find people and not rely on you for any type of cueing or assistance, and that's what I, I see. It same with if uh, if you attend like my marker class or anything like that. I'm a big advocate of letting dogs self learn and not solve all of the dog's puzzles for them. Instead, I like to teach them to start using their own mind and figure out how to how to find the target odor, whether it's a, in a detection scenario or in a patrol scenario. And once you get a dog trying to figure out their own puzzles and doing their own thing, you're going to get a much more reliable dog. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to train the dog, but he's going to be much more reliable. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see, and I can read it as soon as I see the dog, and it's so common, it's it's really frustrating to me, is a lot of people when the dog is searching and as he's in a building and the decoy can see the dog and he's working it out, whether the door's cracked or... Whatever the scenario is, they will either hiss at the dog or shuffle their feet or tap on the door. They'll do something that will trigger the dog's nose, or I'm sorry, to trigger his ears and shut his nose off and get him to start listening. That'll usually get him close to the the odor. And then between the, the noise and the odor, the dog will usually bark and is then rewarded usually by the door opening, for example, and he gets to bite the decoy. But it is so detrimental doing that even just a couple times for a dog. Because listening is a very, very powerful sense for the dog. They have a very keen sense. And if they're rewarded by listening, even just a few times at the very beginning, you're going to fight that problem everywhere for the whole length of the the time you work that dog. I will tell you that when I teach a dog um, building searches or any type of patrol searches, I never, ever, ever, ever ever will make noise for the dog not one time simply put obviously these bad guys aren't going to hiss at our dogs to help find them so when the dogs are used to getting close to odor and then they've been taught from the very beginning and then i see even experienced dogs with experienced trainers and decoys that have been out there for several years i'll watch when they're training and the dog will be working a an area and then he stops and he starts listening because that's how he's successful and then the decoy will say, Psst, and then the dog will get close to the decoy, bark, and then get rewarded again for shedding his nose off. And if you just take, you know, close your eyes and just think about it, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. People do it because I think it's it's twofold. I think some some trainers want to look like they're ultra successful very fast. And some trainers, I think, just simply don't know how to do modular training in a way to set it up so that the dog can be successful using his nose and just his nose so if you're doing that with your dog i can tell you right now it's going to create issues and it's going to create issues long term i'll give you an example we had a dog in in our agency that failed out of the patrol side and ended up being a narc dog and when i went and i did none of the patrol dog training but the the trainer at that time was big on making noises because it, it looked successful, it's smoke and mirror stuff. Um, but when I went to help them with just the the detection side of that dog, even in detection, that dog would get. He was a pretty decent detection dog, but when he'd get near odor, he'd stop and he'd stand there. They were reading it that the dog was false indicating, like doing a a point type of ind- indication and i had to explain to him knowing who trained the dog and knowing that the that person uses a lot of noise that that dog even in detection thought that the the target odor would eventually make noise for him so he was actually the dog was actually hunting he would stand there and listen for the target odor to make noise because he didn't differentiate obviously between a detection scenario and a patrol dog scenario so it was a real easy example. I could read it right away. And, and if you've seen it, if maybe you don't do that, but you train with a group and you watch the people who do it, just watch their dog. As soon as their dog works in some odor, then they'll stop. They'll cock one ear back and they'll stand there and they'll get very, very still and they'll start listening on the street. Obviously, when they do that for a bad guy, the bad guy is going to stay even more still and hope that the dog leaves, which oftentimes they will. So I can't stress enough, simply do not ever, ever make noise for your dog. And they can be successful because most patrol dogs are dual purpose dogs and they find a target odor, whether it's narcotics or guns or bombs or whatever you've done with your dog. And clearly, if it's, say if it's a patrol narcotics dog, I had this discussion with somebody one time and he was telling me all the positives about making noise. And I, you know, was arguing the other way. And then finally I asked him, you know, can your dog find cocaine? He's like, oh yeah, he's really good. I said, does cocaine ever make noise? He's like, no. I said, so what did you do? And he said, you know, we made it easier odor at the time so the dog could find it and then built up to making it harder and harder. The dog was successful by working harder to find the odor. Once he said that, it was kind of a light came on. He's like, I think I probably should have done the same thing with patrol dogs. And that's how I would do it. So again, it's, it's a very, very common thing. Um, if you've been doing it for a long time, you have a long road ahead of you to get the dog to shut his ears off and turn his nose back on. And what I would do if you have a dog that's doing that is simply set up easier scenarios where the dog, like maybe a cracked door in a kind of a semi or pretty dark area where the dog's going to have to turn his nose on to find the decoy And maybe push the door open a little bit. Or bark at a door if he can't push it open. But wait him out. And do not let him stand there. And if he is standing away from the odor. And he's clearly not working the odor. And he's just standing there. And he starts listening. And then he starts barking. I'd wait him out some more. Make it so that his nose is what's successful. And it's going to take a long time. If ever. If you're going to extinguish that. But again I've seen all over the country. I was just recently in another state doing a, a an e-collar seminar and then we did like a short kind of tactical little building search at the end to show some of the control that the handlers had now. And it was a very, very, very easy search. And a couple of the dogs would not have uh, worked it out, but and I just kind of stayed out of it. It was a training group that they did their thing, but the dogs uh, kind of stopped and then the decoy would hiss at them. Then the dog would work his way to the decoy. I just think that is a, it's a very common thing, and it's super, super detrimental. So by saying all that, then I like to offer, you know, I think that's a mistake. So what would I do to to fix that, or how would I avoid it to begin with? And the way that I like to teach dogs in building searches is that they're only successful using their nose. So first, I'll have the dog that you know he's been out on the field, he's been biting a bite suit. He, you know, we started working some control around it. You know, his his desire to bite the bite suit is very high. And we've been doing that probably for at least a week or two weeks outdoors. Now, before what we would do is when we went into a building, we didn't make noise, but we would do step by step by step. So what we would do at the time is we'd go into like a school and the dog hadn't been in the school. We'd have a decoy down the hallway make a little noise, or or, sorry, not make a noise, just kind of move, get the dog's attention, and then run down a hallway around a corner, teach the dog to run around a corner and look for this guy. Then we would bring the dog back and we'd start doing kind of a -a peekaboo around a door. We'd show the the dog that the decoy's behind the door, tease him up, get him to start barking, and when he barked, we'd open the door and give him a bite. And what we wanted the dog to do was start chaining in that he can go search the building, and then if the guy's behind a door or in an inaccessible area, to bark, and the decoy will, will then be available to him. That worked pretty good, but it was quite a few steps. So uh, quite a while back, when I was training a a dog, I thought I'm going to avoid all of those extra steps. I had the dog that was again he was he liked biting the bite suit. He knew what a bite suit and a, a person in a bite suit smelled like. We had done a little bit of short searches outdoors with them, where dogs are stronger outdoors. Then we went into a school, and this school had a short hallway that dead ended. And on the the hallway, it had four doors. So I closed three of those doors, put a decoy behind one of the doors with his foot at the door. So if the dog pushed a little bit, he could get access to the decoy. And the lights were about half on, so it was a little bit dark. It wasn't real bright. And then we just brought the dog in and told him to search. That was the first time as it was a European bred and and raised dog. He had not been in buildings too much, if hardly at all. And the building didn't bother him. We had tested him in that, but we hadn't really done it. We had not done any searching in him. So we put him in that hallway and he really only had, there was no lockers in the hallway. So it was pretty much four doors and then solid walls. So we really didn't have a whole lot of options for him, which we wanted to limit his options. Just like if you've listened to any of my marker training stuff, we limit their options and let the odor draw them in. So all we did is let that dog go, I told him to his search command. He started walking around, didn't really understand what he was doing at all. We had not shown him the decoy walking in the building. We had not pre-stemmed him, if you will, down a hallway, none of that at all. We had set the decoy up, Then we specifically brought the dog in from another door where he didn't see all the cars. I wanted it to be as sterile as possible. So the dog was walking around just being a dog, pretty much kind of investigate things. Then all of a sudden you could see the dog head check that odor like, whoa, I like that odor. I know that odor of a, a guy in a bite suit, went straight to the door. It was probably two or three inches open, had the decoy kind of had his foot and his leg pushed right into the door so his foot was still protected, but the leg of the bite suit, the dog couldn't quite bite it until he pushed the door just a little bit. And I told the decoy, don't fight the dog at all. If he shows a little desire and pushes a little bit, let him have a bite. The dog did that right away. He walked around for a second, smelled that, went straight in and bit, was real happy. We ran the dog out of the building. We moved the decoy to another part of the building that we had already pre-scouted, so we didn't have to wait too long and brought the dog back in, same exact game, same easy find, same thing. And we did that three or four times that night, just showed him that if you turn your nose on and you have a little bit of tenacity, you're going to get a bite this guy. And that was the end of our building search training for that evening. I just wanted to plant the seed for that dog to let him see that, you know, there, is, there, there could be this, this uh, guy in a bite suit that you like. He might be in a building. Then the next night, we found a different building, set it all up, uh, did exactly the same exercise, easy find, easy uh, access to the decoy, just showed the dog, you know, your nose and a little bit of tenacity. When we did the second one that night, I had the decoy hold the door just a little bit. So the dog really had to kind of push a lot harder. And he knew that tenacity, the dog knew that tenacity would help him. So he did push a little bit harder and got the bite. We ran the dog out the building. We set it up in a different hallway. We did exactly the same thing. And on that one, the door was closed a little bit more. The dog actually had four or five doors to pick from, but not too much. He went in there hot, looking for that bite suit odor with a suspect in it, completely ready you know, to, to use his nose and understand it. Now, some people would say, oh, your dog will only search for a guy with a bite suit. We have to start somewhere and the odor of the bite suit and the suspect is, is a lot of odor. And that's a good way to, to get the dog involved and rewarded right away. Obviously, as we're training the dog, we're going to start extinguishing the bite suit and doing civil hides and muzzle hides and changing it all up so that it's the person, not the bite suit. Um, one thing, I'm, I'm not real big on sleeves because I don't like the presentation that you have to give to the dog with the sleeve. So I, I prefer a full body bite suit so we did the same thing and had the dog this time the door was just cracked a little bit the dog clearly knew that his uh you know his his desired object of this person in this bite suit was on the other side of the door didn't want to leave it pushed 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 finally as he halfway barked the decoy is ready for it door came open dog was like okay so i gotta find the odor bark and then i gotta bite this guy we stayed out of it all together not once did I tell the dog to bark. I didn't direct him how to find it. Nobody made noise for the dog. It was just odor, and then his tenacity first held it there. Then the bark got the door to open. We continue down that path for the next, you know, week, two weeks, and make the searches longer and harder and more inaccessible. And that's when we might start doing some civil hides, where the dog will find a person with, you know, that's safe behind a, you know, something. Where there is no bite suit odor, but he's he's interested because he knows he's hunting for him, he'll get his satisfaction when he goes near the person, and starts to bark. Then that person will come alive and we'll leash the dog up and let him, you know, really chase the guy around. And uh, so we he'll still get satisfaction, although obviously he's not going to get to bite a person without any equipment. Obviously, so we don't take the dog and we sol- don't solve all of his problems for him. He has to understand that that the odor is what he wants and that the way he's going to find that odor is by searching and that he's going to have to have some tenacity to get what he wants. If we did the the way that we used to do it, it was a bunch of steps. Sometimes we get dogs that were focused on doors and they just start barking at every single door because they hadn't chained up. They thought, bark at a door and someone will pop out of it. If they hadn't chained up. Odor means something. So by eliminating a bunch of the steps that we did when I first started, and just focusing on on limiting the dog's options, three or four doors in a dead end hallway, have some odor available, let the dog figure it out, and then reward him when he shows the tenacity of that odor. We would build a searching uh, machine that would stay with the odor and would bite, you know, when it when it was available to him, without ever expecting to make that the decoy would make noise for him. So again, if you think, if you just kind of stop and think, yeah, you know, we've always made noise for our decoys. The reasons for that, I think were, uh, again, I think some people just didn't know how to be successful without it and had never really thought about how truly detrimental it is. But I can assure you that making noise during like building searches or outdoor searches or whatever for, for your dog, whether he's new or if he's been around for a long time, Making noise for a patrol dog is very, 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 very detrimental. And I would encourage everybody to really think about it and not make noise for them and just let them figure it out with their nose and uh, search that way. So hopefully that's, uh, you know, something food for thought. If you uh, do it yourself or people do it in your training group, maybe it will bring up a little discussion here on your next training day and, and kind of figure out what to think of it. So while we're on the subject of searching and how to teach a dog to search, I also would like to encourage you to kind of think about the picture that you're sending to your dog in what he's looking for on a search, whether it's outdoors or indoors. We often, you know, when we talk about our dogs and, and what their value is, especially the patrol dogs, what we should and what we do emphasize is the ability that they have to find people that a human wouldn't find, or it certainly wouldn't find it safely. So they can find people, a patrol dog can find people, and they give us a reactionary gap so we can keep our distance away from the, the dangerous suspect and let the dog go find him. I can tell you from doing this from a long time for a long time and finding lots and lots of people, it was very, very rare that the suspect that we were out doing area search for was right out in the middle of the open and like, say, sitting in a lawn chair. In fact, I can't think of a single time it ever happened. But what I see sometimes in training, and it's real common, and I'll, I'll see it in you know, as I travel around, or when I'm training with other people, or I see like a lot of times I'll see it maybe on a like one of the Facebook groups or something, people setting up a, a scenario where there's a decoy completely passive, either in a bite suit or with no equipment, the dog will be in a muzzle, say sitting in the middle of a room in a chair. And what they're encouraging the dog to do is go in and, and bite this uh, suspect who's sitting in the chair. I, what they're trying to show, I assume is that the dog will, you know, respond to the command of, of an apprehension, you know, on a person who's, you know, showing mostly passive behavior. But what are we teaching the dog when we do that? We're teaching them that everybody they see when they're out searching could be a target and um, if you're If you work in a busy area and what I mean busy maybe uh could either be busy with a lot of calls or an area where you have a lot of uh pedestrian traffic in your search areas or if you end up in a lot like a lot of people's yards the um when i when I was a patrol dog handler, we did ninety five percent of our searches off lead and we were in residential areas, so we'd go in someone's backyard. The last thing I wanted my dog to do would be to go through the gate around the corner and have him start thinking that if there's somebody sitting in the lawn chair that I'm going to go drill this guy right off the bat and have the dog be visual and looking for people sitting in a lawn chair. Instead, I want my dog to go thinking I need to use my nose and check all these bushes and the shed and every little nook and cranny of this yard to find a person who's hiding from the police, not the homeowner who just stepped out to see what was going on. So when you start painting the picture for the dog that, passive people who are doing normal things in the search area are biteable, you're going to start having more issues, both obviously with uh, dog bites that you you know, that you don't want accidental bites on citizens. Also, you're going to get the dogs who are, I mean, let's face it, I always say dogs are like us and they're government employees. So like any government employee, we're going to do the minimum we have to do. So if the dog thinks he can be successful by running into a search area and just using his eyes and looking for somebody sitting in a chair or standing still in the middle of the yard, then they're going to do that first. I want my dog to be uh, in the mindset that I've got to activate my nose and work really hard to find this inaccessible suspect and figure out how to get to him. When you paint that picture, again, you get a dog that that is thinking uh, that I'm going to go find a bad guy and that's where bad guys hide. So I'm sure that, you know, uh, people could probably come up with a few exceptions where on a SWAT deal, you know, we had a passive guy on a couch and we wanted to have the dog bite him. We have other tools for that. If the dog's, you know, having a hard time without it, we do have other, you know, less lethal impact tools that we can use. There's a lot of things we can do. But I can assure you that the far, far majority of people that are found on dog searches are hiding and they're not sitting in the middle of a room of say a school library next to all the books just sitting there minding their own business. So think about again when you're training with your dogs just think about the picture that you're painting for that dog and have them start thinking that I want to find people who are inaccessible and I've got to use my nose to do it. So it all kind of chains in together as to you know the first part of this podcast about just make the dog believe that he's got to use his nose Find the odor and be tenacious to it, and he'll be rewarded for that. Those simple steps, I think, will help your patrol dog perform better, both uh, on the street and also in training. Because when you're, you know, if you came to my training and I was the decoy, uh, a lot of times there was other agencies who their dogs had trouble with, with a pretty simple thing. Because I simply refused to ever make noise for the decoy, and sometimes I'd have the handler say, "Go ahead and make noise," and I'd tell him, "No, I, you know, I'm just not going to do it." so uh, as a decoy i refuse to do it as a trainer i refuse to do it because it, i truly believe it's very very detrimental to the dogs so if you have any questions on that or need some help trying to kind of figure out how to work through it if it's a problem just reach out to me the best way to reach me is by email and that's uh, jeffmeyer1 at outlook.com jeffmeyer1 at outlook.com i'll put that uh, email address in the show notes as always and I, I welcome everybody's feedback. Uh, if you want to contact me about this or any other subjects, or if you have some people that you want me to interview on this podcast, I'm, I'm open to all that. So check that out. Check out uh, my web. My new website is uh, police canine, police trainingnet It's got the calendar of the different classes that I'll be doing upcoming. So we're starting to kind of figure out all of uh, next year's uh, classes for 2024. So we'll start putting more on there if you want to host a class, just reach out to me. I make it real easy. We do lots of different classes. All that information is on our website also. So thanks for listening and be safe out there.